0: Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast, a member of the Charisma Podcast Network and the Edify Podcast Network. This is episode two of season two. Last week, we had an amazing launch with Corey Russell, had a great conversation with him on revival, praying, and the move of the Holy Spirit in our life. There are two free resources I would love to connect you with. The first is my free devotional, 14-day devotional called Eyes on Jesus. Go to eyesonjesusdevotional.com. And the next one, which is the newest one, is called Ministry Funnels. If you have an online ministry, if you're looking to start an online ministry, if you are a pastor looking to expand your reach and the vision God has given you, go to ministryfunnels.net and sign up for my free training. Also, I would love to hear from you if any of these free resources or this podcast has blessed you in any way. I would also love to read a five-star review from you. And at further supporting me, you can go to patreon.com slash discerningdad to sign up to be a Patreon supporter as well. And for today, I have Billy Humphrey on the podcast, had an amazing conversation with him, which you'll hear right now. And he also has the podcast I mentioned before, Gripped, with Corey Russell. So make sure you check that out as well. Here we go.
1: Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. This show is about you and your walk with Jesus as we grow in discernment together so that we can make better daily decisions that honor God in all we do. We will align all things against the Bible and give you practical steps to run your Christian race to win. And now your host, The Discerning Dad, Tim Ferrara.
0: Well, welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. Today, I have Billy Humphrey with me. He is an intercessor for Revival, a co-pastor of New Bridge Church, and director of the International House of Prayer in Atlanta. He and his wife have four children. He is the author of three books, The Culture of the Kingdom, Unceasing, and To Know Him. Billy, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Tim. I'm glad to be here with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was telling you before we got on just how Uh, your podcast, Gripped with uh, Corey Russell, has really impacted me, and I just really appreciate you uh, just putting that out there, and we'll talk more about that, but uh, I'm just really excited to talk to you today. So tell everyone just a little bit about your history, when you became a Christian, kind of how God got a hold of you and had you uh, get involved in IHOP and things like that.
2: Sure. So I was was raised in a home that was kind of the Sunday... Um, you know, the Easter Sunday Christmas kind of home, um, where we, we, we went to the Methodist church and sometimes to the Presbyterian church. We didn't, we weren't really, uh, like church member kind of people. And so, um, somewhere, you know, in in the middle of my high school years, I, I, uh, two older brothers and I just kind of watched them just be partiers and stuff. In the middle of my high school years, I just realized, oh, this, this Christian, this Christian stuff we've been doing growing up, this isn't real. This is false. and it was really in the middle of that that um as I'm deciding, hey, Christianity is not real, God breaks into my life. I remember, you know, I'm in the Bible belt and um I remember um having someone say to me, if you died tonight, where would you spend eternity? Mm-hmm. And it just hit me like I'm gonna go to hell. Like I'm I know I'm a bad person. And it was it was through those kind of encounters in the Bible belt and and kind of having a Uh, a a touch of what I would say is kind of not that every Methodist or Presbyterian is not, not great. They're awesome. But the churches, I was going to didn't, I didn't have any sense of the life of God in it, but having that on the one side, but then having this other reality of this truth of eternity being impressed upon me. And so uh, I was a freshman in college and uh, I was at the university of Georgia and I heard a guy preach um, a message. I was invited by a friend to this meeting. This guy preached this message on the Lordship of Jesus. And he, and he differentiated between receiving Jesus as Savior and Jesus as Lord mm. and what that looked like. And, and he, you know, he he made the point, he says, if you want Jesus to save you, he has to be Lord.
0: Mm.
2: And there is, no, there is no salvation without Lordship. And I remember that just went through me. And, um, so 1988, October 13th, I remember answering that altar call. It was probably like my seventh or eighth altar call I'd answered for <laughs> salvation, but I answered that altar call and that night they were doing baptisms after that service and I went and got baptized. And so that's kind of when I count it. like that's when I gave my life to Jesus. Cause I knew at that point I was, I was going all in, I was, I was full throttle going all in. I knew I'd served the devil in my past life and now I was going to serve Jesus with my whole heart. And really there was no looking back from that moment. Um, I, I knew almost instantly that I was called in the ministry mm. and um, at that time I was a freshman and I was out on campus with these these college minister guys that were a part of this Bible study that, been, that I got saved in and, and I would go out there with them on campus daily and just share the gospel. and uh, that was what my life looked like. so <laughs> I, I just I went from really just not serving the Lord at all, not having any kind of religious background to like when I got born again, it was like if I'm doing this, I'm doing it all the way. Mm, and, um, that's
0: good. And I, I really haven't
2: looked back since.
0: Wow. So how has God worked in your life to get you where you are today with, with IHOP and being a pastor and all these things that you're doing?
2: Sure. So, uh, that would have been 88 that I got bored again. And, um, by 1994, the, uh, the church that I was attending that I'd helped plant, um, the, the pastors had moved to Atlanta and I was one of the original six people of the church. Um, by 94, they, um, wanted, they, they were adding a few staff members. And so they hired me as a youth pastor, but I was the guy that did everything. So I, I, I mean, like I oversaw all the helps ministries. I cleaned the carpet. I reconciled <laughs> the bookstore, you know, receipts. Yeah. I mean, I took out the garbage, I cleaned up. You know, there's the that guy lot. in every so, church,
0: you know, there's yeah, that guy I, in so, every church. Yeah,
2: exactly. So I was that guy, um, but uh, so I, I was the first youth pastor of the church, and then I did everything. And then the church just grew. So it grew from uh, when I first started, there was six of us, to uh, when I transitioned, there was 3,500 people. Oh, wow. And um, the youth ministry grew to 350. We had a an, an fantastic youth ministry. We had mm. uh, yeah, five full-time staff. I had 20 interns. I had 75 full-time workers, 350 wow. young people. Um, we were touched by the power of God in our youth group. We had a season where God really broke in with revival. Mm. There was one season that season where in a six months time, we saw 600 um, young people make first time commitments to the Lord. We didn't wow. even count the rededications. <laughs> it was just fire yeah. was hitting our youth group. Oof. And um, so what happens to me is this, uh, that season when it ends, I am, heartbroken because there's there was a distinct difference between having good services and having God take over the place. Mm. And uh though things were still happening, there was still good things happening. People were actually still getting saved and healed and and wonderful things were happening. It was just different. Yeah. The divine presence wasn't the same. Wow. And um it it threw me into a time of prayer for months where I was literally just heartbroken, and and probably had I gone to a to a, uh, a psychiatrist, they would have said, "Hey man, you're you're depressed," you know, because like, <laughs> I would literally just go and lay in our prayer room sometimes two, three, four, five hours a day, mm. weep before the Lord, ask the Lord to to you know to move in power again. Mm. And it was in that season the Lord began to give me a vision uh, to do night and day worship and prayer. Mm. And I'd heard about IHOP in Kansas City. And then a friend came to me and he said, Hey, do you want to come to this conference with me? He said, uh, this is exactly what he said. He goes, it looks a little sketchy, but I know you're into that kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? So that's how people describe
0: charismatics anyway.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, I I went there, I went with him. It was the one thing conference and it was uh, the end of 2002. And, um, you know, I, I, I didn't really understand the prayer room so much. I knew that they were doing 24 hour prayer. But what really touched me was the uh, message of intimacy with God in that mm. season. And I'd never heard anybody talk about intimacy with God. I'd heard about messages about the love of God yeah, um, and sort of the generic God loves you. But there was something that was rich and revelatory as they were breaking down um, the details of Song of Solomon and the father heart of God and these mm. messages. And um, I'd been in ministry at that time for nine years and i was i the the messaging was so powerful about god's delight in his people Mm. i was just overwhelmed yeah um, by the intimacy message and so um i came back i bought up as many cds as i could of teaching and came back and we used to have these things called cds (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) but um and i listened to all these messages and then um in that same season, the Lord started birthing that vision in me for night and day prayer. And uh, I remember listening to the um, prophetic stories that God had done in Kansas City, done with Mike Bickle to get the house of prayer started. And as I'm listening to those stories, uh, they were so personal to me. They were, mm. um, they were overwhelming. It, it, it felt like his story was my story. That's the only way I can describe it. Mm. It was Supernatural. And, um, and so I knew I was, I was called to plan a house of prayer. And so, uh, that would have been March of 2003. Fast forward, June of 2003, I'm back in Kansas city. I'm going to go for a weekend. I'm just going to like, um, I'm just going to like learn the message and the model in a weekend, I think. And I'm going (laughs) to somehow start one in Atlanta. Like that's, that's what's in my mind. Yeah. And I have a chance meeting, um, quote unquote with Mike and we meet for two days straight. And he says, man, if you're going to do this thing, you're going to have to move out here and sort of let us, let us disciple you. Let us coach you. Yeah. And, um, I've been in full-time ministry at that time, almost 10 years. And I thought, you know, um, that sounds weird. That sounds crazy. But he said this, he goes, if you're going to do this for the rest of your life, why don't you take six months to figure out what you're doing?
0: Mm, And
2: it was like, okay, that's wisdom. (laughs) And so, uh, went back, talked to my pastor and within another three months, by that September, we had moved to Kansas City. Um, spent a year there working with the leadership team, being mentored and coached by Mike and the team, and came back in 2004 and planted the House of Prayer. Mm. And um, God, He just He just blessed us. And um, and uh, we went the, the House of Prayer actually went 24 seven within 16 months. Wow. Um, at that time, it's the only one other one in the nation. And so uh, that was 2006 February. And it's been literally live worship and prayer at the center of our ministry um, ever since. Never wow. ceases. Right now, there's a worship leader in the room adjacent to me yeah. leading leading worship set. I've been in that room for four hours this morning, <laughs> worshiping the Lord, praying, wow. seeking His face, studying the Word. That's amazing. It's, it's, it's how our church is formed. So the church is formed around that center yeah. of uh, worship and prayer.
0: And that's what I felt too, is like, you know, God said, my house will be a house of prayer. And it's like, not just with the name, but actually the actions when you go to churches, do they focus on prayer or is it just a Sunday morning thing? And, and, you know, we did a season in in January of 2021, where it was fasting and praying. And we just had like three days where it was open, you know, basically work hours where people can come in and there was such power in that. I can just imagine if it was open 24 seven, just the power of being able to come and just intercede and, and worship at any time. Like just the fruit of it has probably been amazing.
2: There's a there's a simple transition that I think is taking place in the heart and the mind of the church right now, and it's the idea of praying to get things from God yeah. versus praying and worshiping for God to get you. Mm, good. And I think that's the absolute shift that has to take place, that God doesn't—he doesn't need prayer. He yeah. created prayer as a means to, to function, to move his kingdom— but the reason why he created that uh, vehicle was not because he, 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 he needs us to ask him. He created the vehicle because he's trying to create conversation. Yeah. And so the conversation between us and the Lord is the point. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, when we transition in our minds from I'm praying to get something from God to I'm spending time with God so God can get more of me. That's where the thing ignites, yeah, and so that's what he's talking about in John fifteen verse seven, where he says, "If you abide in me mm. and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you wish, and it will be done for you. and the yeah. point is you've been so transformed on the inside that now your thoughts your your desires, they're so aligned with his thoughts and desires because he's 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 captured you, yeah, right, and so that's the point because I want to capture you, my people and then we will work together we will you'll be comparable and we we will be in partnership as the as the unfolding of my kingdom takes place
0: Man, that's so good. It's like, you know, people say like, I tried church and it didn't work. It's like, well, you don't try Jesus like he's a flavor of ice cream. You know, you you have a relationship with Jesus. It's such a big difference. And you don't try prayer like I tried prayer and it didn't work. It is, is, is a way to connect. It's not a one and done thing. It is a. It should be part of our lifestyle as Christians. And if we truly say we believe in the power of prayer, which most Christians will say, yes. Well, how does that look in your life? Are you actually doing it, doing what you say, you know, that is the fruit of the Christian life is doing what you say you believe in and not just going through the motions, not just doing a checklist of that. you know, we, we have our insurance policy to heaven, but actually a relationship is so much deeper than just being scared out of hell. It is wanting to be in heaven, which is such a big difference. It's such a change in your perspective of who God is when you might've been Scared into it from your parents, for example, you know, I grew up as a, as a PK. So I know mm-hmm. the, the faith has to become your own, which I've said before, it's not just cruising, uh, you know, on the, the heels of someone else, it actually is my faith. Now it is my relationship with Jesus, no one else's relationship will get you there.
2: Yeah, I think the, the thing about prayer, right, like people almost think of it like a slot machine, I put something in, I'm going to get something out. Yeah. But prayer is much more like breathing. Mm, that's good. If I don't breathe, I will die. Yeah. It's not about am I getting the jackpot today? Right. It's about am, am I am I living? Yeah. And uh when Christ, who is our life, that's what Colossians 3 says, when he's revealed, then we'll be revealed with him in glory. He's our life. Jesus is our life. Mm. And so we've got to quit seeing Jesus as a, you know, Christianity is a system of belief and Jesus as the mascot of that system. Like yeah. We have to see Jesus as the living God who is alive, who is coming, who wants relationship with us as people. Mm. And that on this side of his return, this is the only time we'll ever get to talk to him through the veil. Mm. You know, this is yeah. the only time that time separates us and the flesh separates us from mm. him. And so we have, we have an opportunity in this time to exhibit faith in a way that, we will never be able to do mm. after he returns, yes. and and so there's something about a heart that says I I long to be yours, yeah. I want you, and I and I long to be yours. That lives, breathing him, in this in this time, mm. and and that's how believers are supposed to be. Jesus, you know, he didn't teach prayer as like a quiet time. He taught prayer as a lifestyle of abiding. Mm. John fifteen again. That passage is so clear. He's he taught his own disciples that you live in me and I live in you. Yeah. And and that's not about am I? I mean, I, I'm not even against you know prayer checklists like pray pray the list like remember the ten things you said you pray for and, and write them mm-hmm. down and pray them like that's good. Yeah. But there's another there's another dimension where anytime any place if I'm at the ball game if I'm At home, if I'm, you know, watching a movie with my wife or, you know, taking a walk, I can literally, in a millisecond, direct my attention toward Jesus Mm. and just say, I love you, Lord. Yes. And I sense his nearness. Yeah. And I know that his eye is on me. Abiding is is really the, that's really the, the point of how we're supposed to live this Christian life.
0: That's so good. And that's what I talk about with discernment too. Making decisions is not just a one-time thing. It's like every day we're faced with decisions. And so stopping almost like I, I say like in the matrix, when it's slow motion, the bullets coming at you, when the decision is coming at you to be able to stop and pray and just ask God for wisdom in that moment, you have to make a decision. So it doesn't, so the consequences of it don't impact you in a negative way. And that's, so we honor God in all of our decisions. And I love how you talked about when you had a passion and a vision for going to ihop, how you you took time to actually be equipped and I, I think that 's such a good reminder is that God gives us vision a lot of times, and we want to do it tomorrow <laughs> and but we have to actually wait on God and and wait for his timing, which is not our timing and to to in times of equipping when it feels like you 're doing nothing can actually Propel you to that next level if you let God grow you in those times of refreshing and equipping, and Mm -hmm. and to be able to be used in the way that your vision is, which may be years down the road. And so, you know, I found that found that in my own life. There's times what I felt like I was doing nothing for the kingdom. That I was, for example, like you know, social media. I did on I have an online ministry, but then. You know, I was doing that for two years, kind of hating online ministry, and now I'm doing it for my church as a pastor when I was in the business world before. And so that was such a big change for me is like, no, God will redeem every part of your story, even the negative ones to be used Mm -hmm. for his glory if you let him.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he doesn't waste a drop. Yeah. He'll take all the suffering, all the, um, sort of what seems like side journeys and he's, and he's in all of it. Um, causing our hearts to become more conformed to the image of his son because he's ultimately wanting to bring us to maturity yeah which is really maturity in love it's 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 a heart that's fully laid down in love and says lord whatever you want i want
0: Mm, i I want to be
2: with you no matter what so he he doesn't miss a drop on any of that for sure
0: this podcast is part of the edify podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving
2: into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play, or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I
0: app. Is there another time you can think of where you had discernment of making a decision and, and hearing from God in a clear way, one way or another?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a good exer- uh, example just recently. We, um, so our, our church now is the product of um, a merge between um, a local church and the house of prayer. Mm. Um, about four years ago, some of my best friends in ministry were pastors of uh, this church right down the street. And, and one of them had a dream. And he said, um, he said in the dream, he saw the Lord knit our two ministries together. Wow. And so when he first shared it, so they, had, there was two co-pastors when, when he first shared it with me and the other co-pastor, we were both kind of like, mm, I don't know, man, like we're <laughs> amazing friends, but I don't know if we want to get married, <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of like that. And, yeah. and so, uh, so we took a time to, 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 to wait, you know, just, and I think that that's critical is that um, not being impulsive, even if you feel like you might have something from the Lord to wait, to see the, to see. the Lord's a great communicator. So if your desire is to follow him, he has no problem communicating to you multiple times to make it really, really clear. This is what he's doing. And and what I've found over the years is that on the big decisions, it's going to take a lot of courage. He'll happily communicate five and 10 times about the very same thing. Yeah, you know, He knows our frame. He knows that we're dust. Mm-hmm. He knows that we're riddled with weakness and so he has no problem making it absolutely super clear for us that he's directing us in a certain way if we'll wait.
0: Mm, the, the
2: problem is oftentimes we impose our own time frame on it. Yeah. So, okay, God, you got to tell me by this time. And he goes, Well, do I? I can <laughs> kind of tell you what I want. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and the waiting is such a formative process. It 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 puts patience in us. It, it gets us acquainted with, you know, slowing down and and looking towards him. Sometimes he causes us to wait just because he wants our attention. Yeah. And um, so anyway, in that process uh, we, we decided we would wait and we wouldn't make any rash decisions. (laughs) And so we thought we would just reconvene in two weeks. And so we did, we, me and the other two pastors, we got together two weeks later. Well, when we showed back up two weeks later, we, we literally had a dozen independent prophetic words, stuff people had said to e- either of us. They had had another three or four dreams between them. Wow. People from across the nation had sent me words. We had <laughs> these old dreams that showed that God was putting us in these facilities. I mean, that we didn't know what to do with because it was like belonging to another church. And we didn't, yeah. we already had our facility, we didn't need it. Anyway, so we had about a dozen or 15 of those that by the time we got together two weeks later, here's 15 confirmations. So then you're sitting there with the 15 confirmations and you're going, what is this? Mm, (laughs) Yeah. What what in the world (laughs) is this? Okay. So wait. Okay. So, uh, you know, then you just walk through the process. You go, so is God saying we're supposed to merge? Yes. Okay. What kind of a merge? Is it that we're supposed to be more tightly knit as friends or is he trying to make us one? and you know, when you look at it, that in an objective way, you go, Well, he doesn't have to tell us 15 times to be better friends.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, he's exactly. he's not saying that.
2: <laughs> he's he's telling us 15 like definitive things because he's actually wanting us to join. Yeah. So then we we land that. So then we go, Wow, okay. So what's the time frame of this? What's what's he is he directing a time frame? And at that point, we didn't have a specific word on the time frame, we just knew that. He had spoken definitively, and so to not begin to move that direction would be would have been disobedience.
0: Yeah, for sure. So
2: what we did at that point is we we talked and prayed and felt like, well, if we have a nine months ramp up where we talk through all the di- I mean because we're talking about merging two fairly good sized ministries at this point that have a lot of unique things about them. Yeah. So I was like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna spend nine months talking through the process of what it looks like to merge and negotiating, you know, what are, you know, really getting to know each other and like really finding out what's under the hood. And it's one thing to be good friends with somebody down the street and ministry. It's another thing to like, now you're going to actually share the same bedroom, you know what I mean? Like, so really talking through it, praying through it, figuring out what our non-negotiables were. And that, so that was that second part of discernment. Like once we, once we determined the Lord is indeed speaking, then we said, okay, what, what do we need to do from a natural standpoint of making this the easiest transition we can for our two spiritual families? Yeah. For all of us on the leadership team. Let's talk through expectations. Let's talk through details. Let's talk through deal breakers. Let's talk through stuff that we don't, you know, we don't necessarily mind, you know, if it's not our preference to begin with, but we want to change. Let's talk through all of those things. Yeah. And then that way we can move forward in courage. So that's what we did. We didn't even announce it for nine months. Oh, wow. We just talked and planned and prayed, talked to all that. Then we announced it. And then it was another three months um, until we actually had our first service together.
0: Yeah, that's good because a lot of times God will supernaturally point you in a direction and then it's up to us to, to keep along that path in our own knowledge he's given us in our gifting he's given us, you know, instead of going to God for every single thing along the way. And you can pray for all that, but a lot of times, you know, if God tells you to start a church, you know, well, then what logo do you have? What, you know, facilities are going to look like all these little things. God might say, okay, I want you to do the church. You figured out in the own giftings and in business management, all these things that I've gifted you with uh, along the way. And that's sometimes where, you know, we can get hung up on needing to hear supernaturally from God for every little thing. Right. And then we make no progress, you know? <laughs> so right. it's a good, it's a tough balance sometimes, but it's important to, to take everything before God. Sure. But then sometimes when you already know what you're called to do, you don't have to ask God, you know, like, you know, should I go over there and love my neighbor? Well, God already said to do it. So <laughs> that that's cleared up. Easy. You don't have to pray for it, you know? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah,
2: Proverbs three, you know, it, it says, trust the Lord with all your heart, Mm-hmm. not to your own understanding in all your ways, in all your ways, acknowledge him Yeah. and he'll direct your paths. Right. So it's having that heart to say, to say, Lord, whatever you want is what I want. I'm, I feel like you want this. I'm going to go this direction and I'm going to use the gifts you've put in me as I go this direction. And if there's other things you want to add to me, I'm wide open. My hands are, my hands are open. So I'm happy to do whatever it is you want, you know, uh, but I'm, I I feel like I'm following you and, and just trusting he's a good leader. Mm -hmm.
0: He's a good leader
2: and he knows how to lead his sheep and he'll speak if you're, you know, if you're zigging when you should have zagged.
0: Yeah, that's good. And, uh, one of the focus of season two of this podcast is how we keep our eyes on Jesus every day. And that verse is great, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean out on your own understanding. I and mean, that's a, that's a daily assignment for us is to do that, yeah. you know, and um, is there anything else you'd say real quick on, uh, you know, how we can keep our eyes on Jesus every single day?
2: Well, I, I love that, that that's your um, season theme. Um, the phrase that I always say is all eyes on Jesus. In fact, I don't know if you can see it right here behind me, that picture right there. Yeah but it says all eyes on Jesus. Awesome. So that's like a theme thought for me. Well, my phone is in the other room, but it's, it's actually my wallpaper. (laughs) Nice. All eyes on Jesus. Um, Yeah. I think uh, Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high will abide Mm. under the shadow of the almighty. Yes. So the, that, verse is a familiar verse. It's, you know, it's one that people kind of learn, but it, if you don't, if you don't dig a a, a little deeper at that verse, you don't maybe know what it means because that he who dwells in the secret place shall abide. It's actually two different things. Mm. So the dwelling that, that idea is, it, it literally means to sit down. So he who sits down in his secret place will, abide abide just means remain yeah will remain under his shadow and and the point would be like and this is sort of the key i think to to functioning in that keeping your eyes on the lord abiding in his presence it's actually starting i think it's best to start your day and even as a businessman a mom you know a businesswoman a teacher whatever you are in your life if you, if you'll just do like seriously, like five minutes
0: mm-hmm.
2: where you just lock eyes with Jesus. Yes. You put the phone down and you close your eyes and you just you just speak to him. You just say, Jesus, here I am.
0: Yeah.
2: I love you, Lord. And I want to focus on you right now. Mm-hmm. And you engage him and, and literally just take the five minutes to do that you have now sat down with him. yeah. And so from that place of having sat, setting down with him at any time during the day, you can sort of just re-reference that connection that you already have. yeah. And so whether you're, you know, I think of a teacher, if you're in between classes, you're running here and you're running there in your mind's eye, as you're waiting through the students in the hallway, you can simply say, Lord, I love you. Mm. I love you. And you can access Holy Spirit who dwells inside you and you can access the secret place no matter where you are. If you're a businessman running in between meetings, hitting the restroom, whatever you got to do, whenever you have those moments, those little moments in between, you just re-access it. I love you, Lord. Mm. I'm yours. Thank you for being so kind to me. And you're just re-accessing that secret place all day long. So he who dwells in the secret place, he who sits down in his secret place shall abide. Yeah. And you're literally going to flow in that reality of, of abiding with him throughout your day, whatever you're doing.
1: Yeah.
2: And, um, you know, I mean, it just, it's just so super simple. It, it, it Sometimes we complicate things so much. We think, man, I've got to get, like, everything just right and the, get the, <laughs> the candle on and i got to write music and yeah. I have to have the right posture with God. And none of that's important. <laughs> Mm-hmm. what's important is just stilling your soul long enough to look right at Jesus. Yeah, And I would say there's a couple easy thoughts on how to do that. One, get a, get a verse that anchors you for me again, John 15, nine is what anchors me. It anchors my whole life. Yeah, John 15, nine, Jesus said, as the father has loved me, I have loved you abide in my love. I, mm. I anchor that verse. I, I I mean, I literally come back to that basically daily. Yeah, And I just, I just say that verse in my mind to the Lord mm. and I hear him saying it to me and I anchor in that place of his invitation for me to remain in the love that he has for me, which is the exact same level of the love that he, that the father has for him. Yeah. And I, wow. I just lock into that. And so I live my, mm. I live my days under that smile.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: That he loves me like the father loves him.
0: Wow. That's and it's, so
2: it literally, t- it takes like, I mean, seriously, three minutes. Yeah. And then I reaccess that place.
0: It's the difference between, you know, waking up and spending 10 minutes on social media, getting angry by something. And then that stays with you all day. You know, it's, it's just the opposite of what you're saying is where if you focus sourced. on Jesus, yeah. And we all, we, I've done it and, and you wake up and you check your phone and and I need to break myself of that habit. And just like you're saying, abide in Jesus. And that will stay with you. That's such a good reminder. I love that. Are you looking to start or grow your online ministry? Are you a pastor who would like to expand your reach with the message God has given you? Sign up for my free five-day training to Ministry Funnels. Go to ministryfunnels.net. I share with you my knowledge from multiple years in online ministry so that you can grow or start your ministry without the confusion of where to start. These are things I wish I knew when I started, and I want to help you grow because when ministries grow and spread the gospel, the kingdom of God advances forward. Go to ministryfunnels.net today and sign up. Well, I want to move on to revival because it's such a passionate subject of mine. Uh, And this was a big focus of yours in Grip Season 1 with Corey Russell. So everyone check out that podcast. If you have not listened to it, it's so good. So let's start with some common misconceptions about what revival is and what it is is not. And this was a big thing for me is, you know, thinking revival is just the tent on the side of the road where they're handling snakes, right? I mean, this is what has come into, uh, the church culture is what revival is and, and it needs to be broken. And so just, can you speak into that a little bit about what revival actually is and why it's important today?
2: Yeah. So, um, uh, that season of Gripped, we did the whole season, uh, 10, 10 episodes on this question: What is revival? How can yeah. we see it? So I would encourage you, um, if you want more, to to look up GRIPT. It's on all the podcast formats and on mm-hmm. YouTube as well. Um, so, yeah, you know, we can have this image of revival because the, that's far lesser than what the word really is. Because the word is used all the time in yeah. church and um you know it became normal for the um for the word to mean a series of special meetings that you might have over a week in the summer um you know or the fall and that's that's the revival you know we're having a a week of special meetings and and i don't i'm i'm not negative about that i think i think that can that can produce life giving results Mm-hmm. Um, I think anytime the people of God come together and seek God together, that's positive. That's not negative. But I think when we're, when we're trying to, what we're trying to do is give definition to this word that restores the, the holiness of it, Yeah. because there are sovereign seasons in God's calendar by which he has chosen to display the strength of his might, his mighty right hand. And uh, what I mean by that is he breaks into the course of human affairs in a way that's far different than just the run of the mill day in and day out of sort of, you know, just going through the the, the, the normal motions of, of life. And so he breaks in in a way that's mm. transcendent. And it's what I said earlier, it's the divine personality coming in and really taking over things. Yeah. Um, I love Arthur Wallace's book, In the Day of Thy Power, which... Oh, you have it there. Hey, <laughs> I have it because of, of you. Yeah.
1: That's almost the book. Done with it. <laughs> I mean,
2: yeah, that's the book, right? So yeah. if you're gonna ever buy a book on revival, buy that one in the day of thy power by Arthur Wallace. But he says it's when God takes the field and human flesh goes to the back. Yeah. And so if you can if you can get your mind around what that would look like if God literally took over. And we have examples of this through history. Uh, with, with different um, historic ministers and revivalists and revival movements that have taken place. And what you what you have is in each of these historic places, whether it was Azusa Street or whether it was Wales or whether it was Hebrides uh, or whether through the, the ministry of Charles Finney or or uh, John Wesley and, and, mm. and, and George Whitfield, I mean, First and Second Great Awakening, every time what you have is... There is a transcendent power of heaven that mm. breaks in upon the populace and it literally causes humans to bend mm. to God. And there's yeah. mass conviction, there's there's authority on the preaching of the word, the anointing that comes on the preaching the, of the word is is dramatically intensified. Yeah. There's mass conviction, there's mass salvation. And it's always uh, accorded with um, signs and wonders, this inbreaking of heaven that it just causes the the course of human affairs to be interrupted Mm. by the divine. And so uh, when we're saying revival, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about, you know, some good meetings for three or four days in the summer that that might get you re-sparked. We're talking about a heaven takeover of society. Mm. And something that doesn't just t- take place in the church facility, but takes place in the marketplace. It takes place in the the department store. It takes place in the bank, in the gas station, in the school, in the entertainment arena. You know, in the business sector. Something where God is breaking in, in a way that is literally, He's He's apprehending the spirit and the soul of people mm. and bringing them under the fearsome reality of, of of His nearness and 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 His holiness. Wow.
0: That's so powerful, and and
2: you get me talking about it, and I'll just man, I ramblin'. can just
0: listen to it for hours. I mean, uh, you know, Christians pray for revival all the time, which is great. Uh, but you know, what is the difference between asking God for revival and being willing to be a part of revival? That's what that's what I think some of the differences is, is. Yeah, God, do revival over there, but don't do it where I'm comfortable. Y- you know, and and God will do it wherever He wants. But but what's the difference between saying god i'm i'm a willing vessel whatever you want to do and that might be it i mean but what what what? how can we you know i, I don't want to say usher in revival because the holy spirit will do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. But, you know, Arthur Wallace talks a lot about, you know, having a, a, a ground that is ready to be cultivated and having a willing heart and having a foundation of prayer. You see that in a lot of these uh, revivals too, where they just prayed for hours in a, in a basement. What was that one where they prayed in a basement without food for just days on end and in the dark, you know? And, and uh, so there is a, a type of cultivating for revival and having a heart for it. But anything you'd like to say on that?
2: Yeah, I think there's there are ingredients that are common um, when you when you look at the historic revivals and the bu- biblical revivals there's so there's this um commitment to fasting and prayer. Yeah. Uh where you you push away from the normal, you know, um format of life and you say okay, I'm going to press into God. Not that we're striving, but we do it in the grace of God as as God will enable us and we lean into his heart mm. and he you always see that it, uh, those times where people were leaning through prayer and intercession and they'll push away from the table and and, and they'll they'll, do, they'll add fasting with it that always is an ingredient and so i like to think of these things as as um ways that we get in the way yeah. revival is going to hit it's going to hit somewhere god's going to break in i want to get in the way of it Yes. Fasting and prayer gets me in the way of it. Mm, I love um, Evan Roberts in the Welsh Revival. He said, put away every doubtful thing. And 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 that idea that we will allow Holy Spirit to take inventory of our lives again, not legalism, not trying to to impose something that's um, flesh, trying to rule flesh. But asking God to show us where there's doubtful areas in Mm. our lives. Are there things that we're compromising in? Mm. You know, it could be from a pornography, hidden addiction or something on the side Mm. where you're completely in a a deep, dark pit of sin to you're carrying inner judgments Mm. about people uh, around you. And you're constantly, uh, you know, in your mind, you're constantly judging and, and running them down and, yeah. and exalting yourself. I mean, it could be anything in between, but it's saying, Holy Spirit, take inventory of my own heart mm. and show me where the areas in me that they are not like you. Yeah, They're not who you are. They're not like Jesus and, and show me, shine your spotlight on me so that. I sense the conviction of Holy Spirit. I'm not looking for. I'm not looking for guilt. Yeah. I'm looking for Holy Spirit with that clean conviction to mm. put His hand right on that area and say, "That there, son, that's not like me.
0: Mm.
2: That's not. That's not how I am. I don't act like that. And I want you to change it. And it's and when you have that dialogue with the Lord, you get real about stuff. He, not only does He point it out, He'll actually empower you to make the change, to make the real shift. And, um, I'll give an example. (laughs) It's not for for change. Yeah, exactly. And and that's why I mean, you think about conviction and repentance because Mm. conviction and repentance isn't like, Oh, shame on you. Conviction and repentance is God going come closer to me. Yes. Let's get that out of the way. Come closer to me. Yeah. But I'll just say this. Uh, we, we started a fast at the beginning of this, this month. And, um, in day one of the fast, I had a dream about one of my dear friends. I won't say who it is because you probably know his name, and um, not Corey, I'll just say that, <laughs> but a dear friend. And in my dream, I was, um, we were just enjoying one another, we were having sweet fellowship. We're talking about fishing, we both like fishing,
0: and
2: I was at his house, and we were just enjoying one another. First, we had a leadership thing together, and then we, we were fellowship in his house. And I wake up and I woke up and I thought, Oh, I just love him so much. I just want to be with him. And then my very next thought was, Oh, wait a minute. We have, we have a disagreement between us. Mm. And then I knew, Oh, the Holy spirit yeah, He's showing me my love for my friend, but this disagreement. Yeah. And as you know, we are in our own pride. I was assessing the disagreement as his fault and he needed to come to me. Yeah. The Holy spirit was going, look, little buddy. Yeah. This isn't about whose fault it is. This is about getting everything that's in the way out of the way. Mm. And I, I texted my friend immediately and I said, I had a special dream about you and I last night. And I'm and I and I just want you to know I woke up wanting to spend time with you, but I also am aware that there's some distance between us. And if there's and if there's any gap, I want to get it out. Can we talk? And we talked that two days later. And we just honestly, we just both repented to each other for being stupid. <laughs> But it's that kind of sweetness of the Lord that brings us out of sin. Because here I was in the position where I thought my friend had a problem with me, but I was like, well, he's got to come to me. And I'm yeah. doing that in arrogance. Yeah. That's just straight up pride. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the Lord's going, that's not okay with me, bud. Yeah. Don't do that. And, and I'm like, Lord, I'm so sorry. And then to my friend, I'm like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. And I love you. And he's like, I love you too. And, and we just, you know, we just repent and work it out. And it, then the breach is completely healed. Yeah. Just in an instant. It's that kind of a thing. Yeah. We just ask Holy Spirit, just look, I'm yours, Lord, do whatever you want with me and show me if there be any doubtful way in our in my heart. Mm -hmm. And so fasting and prayer, asking him to, you know, to investigate us. I think those are critical. Depth in the word, just richly letting the word of Christ dwell in you. And I would say sparking your hearts with stories about revival, like you're doing reading Arthur Wallace, read about the yeah. Azusa Street Revival, read about Cain Ridge, read about Wales, read about the Hebrides, read about those, all those stories. They spark you, gives you a vision. Yeah. It causes your faith to come alive, like, oh, there's something more than what we're experiencing.
0: Totally. I love that. So
2: all those things. Those are all yeah. ingredients to help you get in the way.
0: That's so good. I love how David prayed, created in me a clean heart, O God, take not your Holy Spirit from me, Restore to me the joy of your salvation renew a right spirit within me. And that's so, that's what you're talking about. Asking God to, to just look inside, to peer back the layers, and then expose what is not of him, and then being willing to change it. Because we get, yeah. like you said, in our pride that I'm fine, there's nothing wrong with me. And from that, that hardness, it's so hard for God to do anything with that. And and obviously he can do whatever he wants, but we also have free will. And so, but to just say, here I am, God, do whatever you want. And I am yours. And that's, that's so important. And, and, you know, you talked about in season two of Grip, you talked about the knowledge of God and and we don't have time to get into that, but uh, you know, I just, from that having a proper perspective of actually who God is and not who we want him to be. That's, that's so important. And, And from that, going back to discernment, if we have a proper perspective of God, we will make better decisions. It just will come naturally instead of trying to say, you know, in our, in my own effort, how can I make all these decisions in front of me? we get overwhelmed and we end up making, obviously our sin will push us to the bad decisions, but actually knowing who God is and his love for us will push us on a path of, of trying to honor him in our decisions, wanting to honor him, wanting to, to be his, his, his bride that is spotless without sin. All that is so important in, in doing that, and so, uh, man, we could just talk for hours on this. And and, and I want to be respectful of your time, but um, I don't ask everyone to do this just to pray us out. Um, but I'll let you talk real quick, just how people can connect with you, and then, um, if you wouldn't mind, just praying for everyone listening, just to have a heart for for re- for revival, for God, for the for the deeper things of God that we're talking about.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So um the easiest way to connect with me is just my website, Billy Humphrey.com. All my social media stuff is there. I've got, um, my blog and free e-courses and all, all my, um, you can get, you know, links to podcasts and grip the grip Podcast, And then all my teaching and, and preaching is also online on a separate Billy Humphrey podcast. So yeah. Billy Humphrey.com. That's the easiest way to, to get me. Um, yeah. Let's just pray. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit right now to move in, on our hearts. Mm-hmm. And so even wherever you are in your car, at your home, if you're just listening right now, we're going to ask Holy Spirit to just come. And, and if you can even stop what you're doing just for a minute, let's just engage with the Lord. Cause I believe the Lord would even touch us right now. So father, mm-hmm. we come before you. I, I thank you for every listener right now. That's that's just setting their heart before you. And and Father, I'm asking that the power of the Holy Spirit would be released in every home, in every car, in every workplace, Mm -hmm. in every bedroom right now, that you'd move in power and bring the the clean conviction of God. Lord, we, we ask you right now, show us if there be any doubtful way in our lives. Reveal to us anything that's not like you. Even that Psalm... 51, create in us a clean heart. Oh God, do that in us. And so father, I'm asking for the pure conviction of the Holy spirit to grip our hearts. I'm praying God right now for a spirit of prayer for grace and supplication to come on every listener right now that you'd, you'd enable them to, to engage with you in prayer, in abiding, in in fasting. Give them grace right now. And Lord, we do. We ask you for the spirit of revival, for the breaking in of God. We ask you for the transcendent moving of heaven invading earth. We believe, God, that you want to do something so dynamic in our nation. That we've crossed a line in 2020 and that something is shifting in the earth. We believe, God, that you want to move in power. So I'm asking you, release the fire of the Holy Spirit. Release revival. Break into our families. Break into our churches. Break in Holy Spirit and glorify Jesus it's ultimately not about any signs and wonders. It's We're so grateful for that. Mm. We're grateful for souls. But ultimately, yes. it's about Jesus,
0: Jesus being
2: made manifest. The Son of God being mm. made manifest. So manifest yourself, Lord. Jesus. Release your power, we ask. We love you so much, Jesus. Thank you so much for all you are and all you do. We are mm. grateful to you, God. Yes, God. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. God bless you, brother. Thank you.
2: Amen, Tim. Bless you, man.
0: That's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for joining me. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and leave a five-star review. Also sign up for Ministry Funnels. Go to ministryfunnels.net to get my free training and also access to a free private Facebook group to connect with other people in ministry. For next week, I have Morgan Snyder on the podcast. He wrote a book called Becoming a King. He works with John Eldridge at Wild at Heart Ministries. And we're going to have a great conversation about that book and about what he does. And I will tell you right now, I love his heart for men and for being who we are called to be in Jesus. So until then, go with God, grow in discernment, and keep your eyes on Jesus.
1: Thank you for listening to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. For more information on Discerning Dad, go to discerning-dad.com. Be sure to follow on all the social media platforms. Just search for Discerning Dad. Please share this podcast with a friend and leave an honest review on whichever platform you listen. Feel free to send any comments, suggestions, questions, or prayer requests at, at outlook.com. Until next time. Keep fighting the good fight.